Good morning. Glad that you're here. I'm Pastor Allen, if I didn't greet you earlier. And this is kind of a one-shot deal this morning. We're going to start a new series. Finished up one last week. We'll start a new one next week. But I want to talk to you about something really, really important uh, to your life and the life of our church. And we're titling this Preventive Circles Doing Life Together. This is kind of the kickoff of our church year like it is the kickoff of the school year uh, if you've got students. And one of our goals is to be a church that the unchurched people love to attend. And you might say, well, why wouldn't it be that kind of church? Because Jesus, unchurched people love Jesus. And unfortunately, most unchurched people don't love the church. So there's a disconnect, there's a problem. So we want to be like Jesus, loved by the unchurched. So that's part of our goal. For people to get connected to God, we think that's important and get connected to one another. In fact, we're going to summarize it this way and put it on the screen. We want to build a community, another word might be family, of Jesus followers who are in community with each other, uh, not just to come and sit here and go back home. Uh, you're, you, just, you just miss too much. Now, what is a Jesus follower? A Jesus follower is someone who takes what Jesus says seriously. You might not believe all that's in the Bible. Most people don't believe everything that's in the Bible. You might not believe everything I say. You don't have to believe everything I say. But you need to be serious about what Jesus said. And so that includes all levels of people. Uh, This might be the first time you walked into church for a long time. Uh, Or maybe you come sporadically. Uh, maybe you just started, maybe you dropped out for a few years. Like me, I didn't start until I was 13, and then I've been going ever since. So I've been going quite a while. So it follows, doesn't matter how long or who you are, but it's important to be in community. Another way we say it's this. Circles are better than rows. Circles are better than rows. Now, rows are good. This is what we have on Sunday morning, right? I love rows. I get to talk to rows. I get paid to talk to rows. We kick the money up to pay me sitting in rows. Uh, rows are good. I have no issues with rows. But things happen in circles or group that just don't happen in rows. <clears throat> this is where you can ask questions. I don't really answer your questions up here on Sunday morning. Nobody, I can say, raise your hand, I'll answer your question. We don't do that. It's just not part of how we do our worship. It's a place where you can ask questions. You can question what I've said. You can question about the Bible. Uh, As Justin's already said, you can get insights from other people as they read the Bible and uh, and God's Word. Uh, It's a place you pray together. Uh, we sent out a prayer list. Maybe you get the prayer list. There's people's names on there. You probably don't know. It's hard to pray for them. There's a little description of their need. But, but you do. But there's a special kind of prayer that happens in group because you really know each other. And you know the situation. You know the details. And you can really pray for each other. <clears throat> As we said earlier uh, in the video, it is <clears throat> a place where you have accountability I can't keep track of you all. I don't make it my goal to keep track of you all. If you miss three or four weeks, I may know, I may not know, I may contact you, I may not contact you. But if you're in a group with 10, 5 to 12 people, you miss a couple weeks, people know. And they're going to call you and contact you and see what's the matter and see how they can help. So it's a place you can pray and you can 
uh, be accountable. It's a place where you can belong. I don't know everybody's name. Nobody here knows everybody's name. But everybody knows everybody's name and group, right? Uh, we know each other personally. And then it's a place where you can care for each other, take care of each other. And we'll talk about that a little bit more in a few minutes. <clears throat> now, we do have groups going on Sunday morning. They're just not in here. In fact, your children are in groups. That's where they are. And that's the reason we don't have them in here, unless you choose to bring them in here and, and our, uh, um, most of our students. Group is more important. Being able to ask questions, being able to connect with a couple of adults or, or an adult teacher provides, we believe, better for them spiritually than to sit here and listen to me talk <laughs> and to connect with what I'm going to say here in a, in a few minutes. If this building was to burn down, would we still have, be a church? Yeah, we'd still be a church because this isn't church. This is worship. This isn't church. Some people say, well, I came and visited your church. If you come here on Sunday morning, you haven't visited our church. You visited a worship service. Church is what happens in community. And if you go back and read the New Testament, early church was what? Houses in houses. They didn't have buildings. And that's because of the importance of community. <clears throat> but it's also important for groups, uh, for parents also. And we are partnering with you parents to do the most difficult thing you have to do. And that's raise another human being. We are partnering with you to help them connect with God and to help them mature to be uh, responsible uh, uh, adults. And, it, and the good thing for you is we do it for free. We don't charge you. <laughs> and we don't tax you like the government does to send your kids to school. We don't charge you. Now, it does cost. And we just had an offering. We appreciate your generosity because we couldn't do what we do because there is a lot of cost. Uh, but thanks again for that. Now, we get new families come to the church, and sometimes their kids are like teenagers, 15 or 16 years old, and they want to join our, our student ministry. And we say, great, uh, wonderful. The only thing is it would have been a lot better if they'd come 10 years earlier when those kids were five or six so they can experience that group life for all those years and develop that maturity. Now, here's kind of a strange thing I'm going to put on the screen, but I think this is really important. Don't take your children to a church that teaches them to hate church. And some of you understand this because you went to a church when you were a kid that you hated. And you did, when you became an adult, what did you do? You did what you learned. And when you're an adult, you don't have to do things you hate, do you? And for some of you, you didn't go to church for years. And I know some of your stories. Because you were taught to hate church. Now, no, but church stays, the goal is to teach that you hate church. But that's the reality of it. Now, I didn't really hate church, but when I uh, started going, I was like 13. Went Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. Some of you have been through that. But anyway, our Sunday night service, well, first we had like a, we had group. We had a teen group, a youth group at 6 o'clock, and then we had this worship service at 7 o'clock. Well, the, basically that service at 7 o'clock was one half hour of singing hymns. And then the preacher got up and talked. Well, most of you know I'm not, music's not my thing. <laughs> I like music okay, but I don't sing. And so eventually I asked my parents, and we only lived like three blocks away, hey, I'll go at 6, it's okay if I go at 6 and then not go at 7, so I don't have to do the singing. I didn't enjoy 
the singing. Of course, I've been going to church the rest of my life. But the point being, you don't want to teach your kids that church is something to hate. And so we, hopefully your kids have fun. I see children walking up the sidewalk all happy and smiling and jumping up and down. I know that they know they're going to have fun. One of the worst sins you and I can do as a believer or as a church is to make God and or the church or the Bible boring. Because it's not. There shouldn't be. And we have the challenge to set a new mindset for the next generation. Now, we're going to look at something that <clears throat> a guy lived a long time ago by the name of Solomon. He was a king. Uh, he wrote, he was considered one of the wisest men that ever lived. And we looked at some of the things he wrote back in, I think, in the early part of the year, in January. And this is going to be a little bit different. We're not going to talk about some theological issue. We talked about grace for 10 weeks. We're not going to talk about grace and all those other things. We're going to talk about something that I call just common sense. And so I want you just to keep your mind open and just listen to what he says. And I think you'll follow the logic. It's not real complicated, but it it makes a lot of uh, common sense, which unfortunately in church isn't sometimes common sense because we have this idea that church is sitting in rows. And that's not what church is. We're going to find out why group or other people doing life together is so important. So it's written in a book called Ecclesiastes. And we're going to look at chapter 4, just a couple verses. I'm not going to look at anything real detailed or long this morning. Starts off this way. Two people are better off than one, for they can help each other succeed. Now, uh, eight of us are going on a construction mission trip this afternoon to Cleveland. Pray for us. Appreciate that. And uh, I've been going for, I think, four or five years now. And when you do work, in fact, I built my own house and I hung most of my drywall by myself. But you know what? It's a lot easier to hang drywall with two people. You don't need three or four or five. But just two people, it's a really lot easier to hang drywall and you're more successful and you can do it better and faster. And that's basically the principle here. There's a lot of things that just are easier and go better with help, not by yourself. And the Bible teaches it's really important that we don't isolate ourselves. So two people are better off than one. And we help each other. Now give some examples. And the first example he gives is this. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up. Makes sense, right? Now, most of you know I run on the Appalachian Trail, and sometimes I fall, and I pick myself back up. John, I think two times ago when we ran, I fell. And he was there to pick me up. I think I got up myself, but at least he was there to pick me up. Uh, My wife worries about me because most of the time I'm by myself. And if I was to fall and not be able to get up my, without some help, that would be a really sad situation. But this is not a Christian thing. This is not a Christian principle. This is just a human thing, right? This is just a common think, sense thing. Uh, if you fall down and need help to get up, it's good to have somebody there to help you up. So then he talks about the flip side. But pity, or it's really sad, if anyone who falls and has no one to help them up. You know, I fall on the Appalachian Trail and I break an ankle or something and I can't get up. 
That would really be a serious situation, wouldn't it? Now, we all know or have seen, maybe personally experienced, falling or failures. Maybe it's financially. Maybe we've, uh, or someone we know, have just kind of mismanaged their finances, and maybe they lost their house. I mean, something pretty, pretty seriously. Uh, we've seen or know people, and maybe it's happened to us, where we've fallen in our marriage. Um, started crashing, and we couldn't fix it. Uh, maybe we've known somebody that's fallen morally, got involved in something they shouldn't have gotten involved in, and, and uh, ruined the reputation, or they fell. Uh, maybe we know somebody that's fallen through or by addictions of one type or another, and uh, they fell and didn't have anybody uh, to pick them up. How about you? If you were to fall, one of these areas or some other areas, do you have someone to help pick you up? Another way to say it's like this. Uh, Who feels free to ask, are you okay? And won't accept, I'm fine as an answer. Now, it's interesting. On Sunday morning, we do that, don't we? I mean, we don't do that. (laughs) We say, how are you? And you say, you're fine. And I never say, anybody probably says to you, no, you're not. And the biggest reason is, well, two, it's really not the appropriate time, but the second thing is we don't know each other, and you're not going to be open enough to share that. But in group, as you get to know people, and as they say the words, I'm okay, you're sitting there saying, no, you're not, because you can tell. You, you can know, because you've built community, you've built relationships. But pity, or it's so sad if that happens, and nobody's there to challenge you, or to say, no, you're not. You need help. Don't be so prideful that you won't let somebody help you. Now, sometimes we fall. It's not our fault. Some of you, you come from broken homes. Your parents divorced. That wasn't your fault. Sometimes uh, maybe your spouse uh, uh, ran off on you and it wasn't your fault. Kids, your Parents maybe mismanaged their finances and it wasn't your fault. It's not always your fault. But when you fall, is there somebody there to pick you up? Then he uses another illustration, another scenario. Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. So this is kind of a, a different scenario. It's not you've fallen, that you've been attacked or, or there's been pressure on you from out, outside. And, and as one person, it's just really hard. You really, really struggle. But two, you can, can hold up. Another better word probably in our culture would be overwhelmed more than overpowered. Isn't life become overwhelming sometimes? If you're a parent, I know. <laughs> I'm a parent. Even if you're, if you're married. And then being a single person. We're going to talk about that in a few minutes. <clears throat> it's better if you have community. If you have help. Now, you know this. Solomon didn't need to tell you this. I didn't need to tell you this. This is, again, just common sense. The way that God made us. Then he adds uh, another component here. He says, there is something even better than having two. Now, sometimes those of us who are married, we think we can handle life together because we got each other. 
But there's some things in life, and that's why couples especially need to be in groups. There's some things in life that you just can't handle yourself. So he says it's something even better than two. It's a triple cord is not easily broken. If you've got more than just two of you, if you've got three or four or five or six or eight, that's way better. Now, my wife and I have been in, in groups for a long time, and we've seen uh, a lot of broken-hearted people. But the fascinating thing, the wonderful thing about group is, even though you may be broken-hearted, you don't remain broken because of support that you get in group. Everybody needs somebody to lean on. I'm not going to sing. You don't want them to. But everybody does. We all need somebody to lean on. And Solomon says, pity is so sad if you don't have that person. So we talk about group a lot. We talk about community groups all the time. But it's not a program. It's church. It's life. It's common sense if nothing else. And so that's why we continually say circles are better than rows. Rows are good, but circles are better. We're going to show you a video of probably not what we're looking for. (laughs) Are you tired of small groups always getting into your business, trying to get you to share your feelings, discuss your past, confess your sins? Are you just looking for a place to kick it, network, Maybe get some free grub. Me too. That's why I created what I believe to be the world's first openly shallow small group. We're not here to deal with messy stuff like feelings and emotions. You got problems? You deal with that. You're an adult. Life ain't easy. So stop the pity party. We all have our issues. We don't really want to do life together. Frankly, at shallow small group, we try not to do much of anything at all. You'll never hear us use the term unpack that thought. We're sure it's packed away for a really good reason. And you'll never hear us use the term accountability unless you're talking about someone who deals with numbers. Hey, dude, thanks for doing my taxes. You have great accountability. And spiritual growth? Who wants growth? I had a growth removed last week. It wasn't pleasant. There's no pressure here to remember each other's name. What's going on, buddy? Oh, hey, man. How's it going? That's good. Oh, dude. Captain, what's going on? We know you have a name, and that's the important thing. Group discussion? You got tickets to the big game? Sweet. Let's spend some time on that. Oh, you and your wife are struggling financially? There's tension in the relationship? Uh, That's not really the vibe we're going for. We avoid conflict like the plague. And there will never, ever be an awkward silence. That's our guarantee to you. We hate bad theology as much as the next guy, and we know the surest way to prevent bad theology is to avoid theology altogether. And outreach? This is the only outreach you'll ever have to do. Some people say we're superficial, but hey, the word supers and superficial. I mean, who doesn't want to be super? Shallow small group, because when things get too deep, people drown. Won't you join us? Okay, that is not the vibe we're going for, all right? (laughs) So, not only is it important that you have someone there when you fall, not if, when you fall, there's another extra benefit of group, 
And it's this. Group life is preventative. It helps prevent some of those falls. Some of those things could be avoided if you were in community. Uh, When we isolate ourselves, we make mistakes we wouldn't necessarily make if we were in group. And so that's why it's important. Another way of saying it's this. Somebody can see it coming. And we've all experienced this. If you've been a parent for a while, you've seen some younger parents raising their kids, and you're thinking, they're not doing it right. They're, gonna, they're headed for trouble. And if you, if you know them later on, probably when their kids become teenagers, they have problems. Not that there's any perfect families. Uh, maybe you've seen a, seen a husband talking to a wife in a, a certain way, and you said, no, uh, uh, yeah. They're headed for trouble, and later on you find out, you know, they're separated, maybe got divorced. Maybe you saw somebody dealing with their finances, you know, just, just a mess, and you know they're headed for trouble, and, and uh, you saw it coming, and not that you're clairvoyant, it's just, again, common sense uh, from an outsider, uh, but they didn't see it coming. We use the term preventative sometimes with medicine, and my wife and I are pretty conscientious about our health, and... Uh, we are trying to prevent being ill, and basically we're not ill, and we've never had a, any major surgeries, and, and I'm almost 64 years old, and I'm in the top category of my age bracket insurance-wise and health insurance-wise. I take no medication, but that's really rare for my age, etc., etc. Preventive medicine, preventive problems, relationship problems, financial problems, parenting problems, etc. Now... Is it always fun? No. When somebody in group says, hey, I see this problem in your life. I think you know, we need to talk about it. I think you need to you know, face up to this. Maybe you don't even know what the problem is. That's painful. It's painful for you to say and it's painful for them to hear. But if we want to grow, if we want to mature, if we want to make, avoid mistakes, we need to do those kind of things. It's not always fun to eat healthy. It's not always fun to exercise. But again, we're trying to prevent some kind of issue. Now, I want to talk to singles a little bit. We have some young singles and some other people that are single. The problem with singles is often you don't have somebody in your life to point out things. Married people, we have a spouse. Uh, and they'll often point things out. And the problem with a spouse is we sometimes don't want to hear it from them, but they care about us and, and, and they'll give us that input. But a single person, you don't have that. <clears throat> the great thing about single life, you can do what you want, right? Don't like your job, you quit. You, you know, if you don't like your friends, get new friends. Don't like this church, go to another church. Uh, you basically can do what you want. The problem is you don't have somebody often to give you that insight. See it coming, whatever it might be, relationally, financially, health-wise, etc. Let me talk to you that are single, if you want to get married someday, or if you're going to remarry someday. Marriage problems aren't really marriage problems. Marriage problems are single problems that are brought into the marriage. And... To have a better marriage, if you can deal with those things when you're still single, and if you got married young, you probably had to work through those things. As a married couple, my wife was young, I was older, but uh, marriage problems are single problems that could be fixed <laughs> before 
you get married. And that's why it's so critical, especially for single people. For somebody to tell you, you got bad breath, for example. My wife tells me that sometimes. <laughs> All right? So as a single person, you need somebody in your life that'll say, hey, you got bad breath. Take care of it. So enough about singles. We all need a circle. And those of us who are married, if we could go, go back, we say, yeah, that would have been smart for me to deal with some of those issues before I got married. Things I can't see. Put this statement up in something that's in your outline. Every marriage needs some support now to avoid the need for life support later. Equipping, applying, getting better connected. Uh, Some of you know, some of you are here. Yesterday we were celebrating uh, Aaron's life. My daughter-in-law, our daughter-in-law, who died... uh, year ago in July, uh, age 33. Her birthday would have been tomorrow. She would have been 35. And so we were celebrating her life last night. Anyway, those two years, a year and a half that she was sick, um, it was tough. Tough for our family. Tough for some of you that knew her. And I don't know, well, we would have. We wouldn't have got through it very well. I don't know how we would have gotten through it without the support of our small groups praying for us and letting us cry and putting their arms around us. But we didn't start group when she got sick. We've been in groups for years. So we were in a group, got support now to avoid the need of life support later. Group life is preventative. The problem with preventative is you don't know what you've prevented, do you? Let me put that up again. (laughs) Hopefully you're a good driver. How many accidents have you avoided by being a good driver? You don't know, do you? Our kids and our teens in in small group, you raise in in group. How many of those kids will avoid dropping out of high school? We don't know. How many of them will avoid uh, getting involved in drugs? We don't know. How many of them will avoid an unwanted pregnancy? We don't know. That's the wonderful thing about preventive community or small group. Let me talk to you about adults. Adults, it's a little tricky. And the best example I can think of is this. Came across this illustration. It's kind of like retirement savings, and I'm getting close to <laughs> the end of that time period. But I've been putting money into retirement for f- probably 35 years. Right? A little bit aside, month after month, year after year, 35 years, so that when I retire, there'll be some money for me and my wife to live on, right? The key is I, I had to do it a little bit over a long period of time so it would be there when I needed it. Community is the same way. You need to spend a little bit of time over time so when you need it, the support, the relationship will be there. <clears throat> and we have people call the church or call the building and want help. And I talk to them and I, usually they don't have a church or if they're in the church, they're not really connected to anybody in the church. And so we help. We, help. We, we love to help. We do what we can to help. But we can't really, really help. 
I mean, we can help them pay a bill or give them some food or something, but we really can't help because they're not in community with us and they're not in community with anybody else. They need community and community takes time. It just doesn't happen when somebody calls the church. Next statement, please. Put it up. See, in our group, with uh, dealing with Aaron's death and so forth, they were already there. So they were already there for us when we needed them. People that call the church, we can't. We're not. We're not designed to do that, even though I think we have a great church. Uh, we'll, as a church never, a body, never be that good as uh, a group life will be. Again, circles are better, way better than rows. This is a big deal. I wouldn't take a half hour talking about it if it wasn't a big deal. This is what's best for you and best for me. It's like common sense. When you fall, not if you fall, be somebody there to help. Even better yet, there's some situation where you might have fallen that you can avoid. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Now that's my story, but what about your story? And some of you maybe have come through what we call broken homes. Can you imagine if one of your parents that kind of screwed the marriage up or both of them were involved in a true community that cared about them and when they started to slide downhill, they wouldn't let them slide. And your whole life may even have been different. So we want to think about the next generation. And that's why we're pointing to your kids. We want the next generation to connect so they can avoid those issues. Circles are better than rows. So here's what we're going to do. We're going to give you all a card this morning, right? We giving out cards? The guy who got them, good. Somebody's ahead of me. Here's a card. The praise team's going to come. They're just going to play something while you fill out your card right now. This is how important it is. Personal information on the front, and then you got all kinds of options on the back. You can mark as many as you want. Maybe you can meet on a Monday, a Wednesday, or a Friday. Location preferences, time of day, type of group. Maybe you want to be in more than one group. Maybe you want to be in a couple's group, and maybe some time a financial group. You want to interest in being a leader or a host, you can mark that down. If you're in a great group already and want to stay in your group, write that down on here. All right? Um, If you cannot fill this out today, we're going to ask for it again next week. But we really want to try and get these things organized today, this week, because we're going to start a new series next week. It's called Christian. We're going to talk about what Christian is and what Christian isn't. And if you've got some friends that don't like Christians, you bring them. Because we don't like that Christian what they, what they talk about, and that's not what the Bible talks about. So that series starts next week, and then we want you to be able to discuss those things in the coming weeks in your group. So go ahead and start playing. Take your time. If you need something to write with, raise your hand. If you didn't get a card, raise your hand. We'll just give you a couple minutes, and then we'll have our closing song. Thank you.